This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. by Kapari with now 15 seconds remaining. Kapari takes it free, slides it right to the side, to the cue, skips the clock out to center. Fans will start to rise to their feet at Crypto.com Arena. Flames give up a season-high eight goals and will remain four points out of the second wildcard spot in the Western Conference. At the other end of the spectrum, the Kings stretch their point streak to 10 and their home point streak to 11. And move into a tie with the Golden Knights for first place in the Pacific Division. Los Angeles defeats Calgary by a final score of 8-2. to two. Well, what do you say about that one for the Calgary Flames? A bad start, outplayed, outmuscled, out-everythinged in what might be one of their worst efforts of the season, certainly one of their worst efforts on the road this year, and in a critical game where they could have gained some ground on the National Predators and the Winnipeg Jets, the Flames fizzle out in L.A., to the tune of an 8-2 score against their Pacific Division rivals. But right back at it tonight against the Anaheim Ducks as they finish off a quick two-game road stand right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. This is Sportsnet Today. It's Logan Gordon along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in beautiful Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And yes, it is a Calgary Flames game day again following their 8-2 loss to the LA Kings last night. We'll dive into all of that with Peter Labardius, the color voice of the Calgary Flames, coming up in just moments. Also have our regular Tuesday chat with Bick Nazar from Sportsnet 650, and we'll check in on the Flames' opponents, the Anaheim Ducks, a little bit later on today. But let's kick things off like we always do by heading down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline and saying hello to Peter Labardius. He's brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. The Gemini Group knows your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference, now offering air miles, reward miles. You can visit them at GeminiGroup.ca. Good afternoon, Lou. How are you, sir? I am good. I am good. How are you? I'm good, pal. Um, I don't know what else to say. I I feel as though you're probably in the same boat uh, as a lot of Flames fans and observers today that there's just not a whole lot to say about what that effort was or wasn't for the Calgary Flames last night in L.A. Well, I think it's pretty obvious that it wasn't very good. I mean, we can all easily arrive at that. I think you always have to put losses in proper perspective. You don't start today any farther behind. You What you did is you missed out on an opportunity. Uh, I don't really get plagued, Logan. In fact, I think every once in a while taking one between the eyes might help you. And you can say that this team has been taking it between the eyes all season, but there are different, you know, I think back to a couple of seasons ago where 
you know, Pittsburgh came in here one night and won like nine nothing or nine one. And it ended up the team left. It was a Saturday. They went to Toronto. This was part of the eighteen nineteen season. And in many ways, that game was the tipping point for the Calgary Flames to go on and finish first in the West. Now that was a game in October. This is different, but, you know, and and I'm just trying to remain calm about the whole thing because a loss is a loss. Were they prepared? No. Did they play well? Absolutely not. Did they manage the puck well? No. Did they play a team that was absolutely dialed in on what makes them good? Yes. So, In closing, Logan, I always look at blowouts this way. Blowouts are usually the result in sports of one team being at its absolute highest level and the other team being pretty close to their lowest. But that's not really what both groups are. So if that's the case, then I shouldn't lose my poop over eight to two on a night where you were never really in it. I have, I have, I have a more difficult time with the norm and that's not the norm for them. The norm has been don't win enough one goal games. Don't win enough overtime games. That, that to me is different. Yeah. Was it fun? No. Did anybody, if you have any investment in the Flames, like it? No. But you lost to a good team. How are you going to respond? And I know just, you know, over the years of our conversations, and I know going back to the post-game show last night, nights like last night, there's no point in individual, uh, you know, going through the list of guys and, and trying to find a, a bright spot. There just wasn't any last night for this group. Lou. No, there really, there, you know, there really wasn't. And that's why it was eight to two. There were not a lot of bright spots. There was a lot of average and there was as a team and a team game. That's well below their standard, even in a season like this that's not a representative of the Calgary flames at all. So again, how do you respond to that? That's why, you know, if you tuned in last night and I'm not sure if you did or not, but you didn't hear me overly frustrated last night as that night went on. No, there's no point. I'm not frustrated today because, you know, that game last night in a very different way, is in a season of, you know, now we're down to 11, in a season of 71, that's an anomaly. It's not the anomalies that get you into trouble. It's who and what you are on a regular basis. The same way is I don't have the same kind of expectations that every game is going to be like February 6th in New York against the Rangers. So the hardest part as a sports fan 
is we all care, and everybody that phones our show or texts into our show, they are invested, for sure. I'm invested. You're invested. It's, it's better for all of us if the Flames are doing better. That's the truth. But, as you know, because I think you're a big believer in this one, at least, from me, and it didn't even come from me, and I'm not afraid to share that, but it's not about 82 one-game seasons. It's about one 82-game season. Mm-hmm. And so last night, to me, you can get all mad and angry, and how can this happen? Well, no, it shouldn't have happened. And I know people are going, well, you know, you're in, you're in the teeth of this thing. How do you get there? Do I think that there's different conversations? Do Have I pointed out on this show a lot longer than it was pointed out maybe yesterday by others that there's been dysfunction? I think if you've listened, you've heard that here. I didn't need to, like, again, Elliot's the best in the business. But I didn't need to hear that from him to know that there's an issue. I can see it. Yeah. I live it. And I hear about a lot of it. Now, again, that's a great learning tool for me, too. So one of the things that, that struck me last night, and I know you guys did touch on this on the post-game show last night, Lou, mm-hmm. was <clears throat> this is, you know, look, you have a handful of bad games all year long. More of them for the Flames have come on home ice than the road. I can't think of many nights on the road where the Flames have been as outmatched as they were last night. I can think of a couple off the top of my head on home ice where it hasn't gone well for them, but this is something new for us this year. At least I can think of. They haven't. They, the road games, for the most part, this year have been close contests. Those one goal games, the overtime goals we've talked about. Not many like this. No. Well, they haven't given up eight goals in a game since I believe the date was February fifteenth of twenty twenty. Yeah. That's a long time. And again, it's another reason why I'm not going to overreact. Maybe I should be. Do I think everything that, you know, came out into a brighter light yesterday matters? Oh, yes, I do. And you know that, Logan, because you hear it from me every day. People being on the same page matters. You know, the value of how players feel they're being utilized matters. How the coach deals with all of that stuff, it all matters. This team has played like there has not been a lot of synergy and belief in what's going on and in each other. That's the overriding story for me. Nights like last night just take it to a place for people and even the comments that were made through Elliot by Kadri, that just painted it in a different light for more people which is a credit to Elliot for the kind of respect and voice that he has and he's earned it. So good for him. I don't want to say it's irrelevant Lou, but can this team move forward or do what they want to do in these last 11 games? If they don't get that angle of it fixed, 
if they can't get on the same page, if they keep having this sort of discourse between key veterans and the coach, can can any of that well, solve it's, itself? I think it's hard. Yeah. I, I think it's hard, but there's still a very capable group with a lot of personal pride. And I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever spent time with a professional, they will uh, quickly tell you that people's pride and ego gets in the way of a lot of things that could be better. I don't see this any different. It's got to be about it's got to be about the team. And it has to be about really galvanizing people. They're not a galvanized group. They haven't been pretty much all year. And whether that's expectations that people have struggled with internally, whether that's a coach who has higher expectations or how he goes about his business, it's, it's fractured and it's broken. It can be fixed. And I think even with a great part of this group, it's going to be. But it's not an easy fix. And I don't know, Logan, would I be surprised starting tonight if this team won five games in a row? I would. Because the body of work tells me that they haven't been able to do that. Mm -hmm. But here's the hard part about all of it for everyone. Fans, you, me, Daryl, coaching staff, Brad Treleving, Murray Edwards, John Bean. Everybody thinks it should be better. Why isn't it? And that's not... I can't answer that. You can't answer that. Analytics can't answer that. No, if they could answer it, they would have already. Yeah, they would have. Now, again, is there time? Yeah, until you're you're eliminated, there's time. And as I said on the post-game show last night, and I'll say it again, if I phone Peter DeBoer today and he picks up the phone, And I say, Peter, would you love the opportunity to play the Calgary Flames in round one of the playoffs? I don't think his answer is going to be yes. In fact, I don't think anybody's signing up for that. But you got to get there. Yeah. And if this team gets there, to me... Logan, what this team needs more than any, and I'm sorry it's taken a while to get here, the only way I see this team getting back to even ground is to make the playoffs. Yeah, no, I, I, don't, I don't disagree with you, Lou. I don't. Uh, I really don't. Uh, we're talking with Peter Lombardi. It's the color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960. Uh, dissecting an ugly one in Los Angeles last night and uh, getting you set for the Flames and the Ducks tonight. Uh, just a couple things, Lou, um, you know, on the back of last night. Not so much, you know, specifics on performance, but uh, I guess goaltender usage. Uh, Jacob Markstrom goes 40 minutes. 
Uh, Dan Vladar comes in for the last 20. I, I don't know, and we won't get a good indication of, of who's going to be the starter until you guys are well into the warm-up program this evening. But uh, if you had a lean, where would you go tonight? Is it wrong for me to say I don't really care who plays goal tonight? Nope. If that's how you feel, then... Yeah. I, I, I mean, because this is a game that when everybody plays the right way, and I could say this about every game, not saying it couldn't come down to a bad goal or who's going to make a save, a lot of the season has. This is about team. And it always should be about team. But when teams aren't doing well, team turns into who did what wrong. Honestly, if you're the Calgary Flames... If the e-bug went in tonight, you better be motivated and ready to put on a performance that's going to make it miserable for the Ducks. So am I leaning one way or another? Not necessarily. I'm, I'm, but I'm still not really changing what I said to you yesterday when we talked about it, and that is I think you have to be prepared to win this game with Dan Vladar or whoever's going to play. Mm-hmm. So if the original plan going into last night was Jacob last night and Vladar today, I don't think I'd change that. And I wouldn't change it based on last night. Because as crazy as it is, the result does matter the most. Yep. But if you don't play well, you're not getting the result either. Uh, would you make any lineup changes going into uh, tonight's game? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Would. Uh, I, Milan Lucic is coming back in for me. Uh, Walker Dewar is coming back in for me. Trevor Lewis is going to the middle of those two guys. Yeah. And I'm probably okay to give the other three groups another night that's what i'd do okay and 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 the one thing we haven't addressed today the performance by the whole group of six last night on the bat not even close to being good enough no sir not even close no that group is that group specifically is capable of a lot more and did themselves and their goaltender absolutely no favors no, but they need help too. Sure, absolutely. Because, because one team last night was a very connected five guys in the picture everywhere, and they won races, and they won almost every important battle. You got to compete harder. They didn't compete hard enough. And it was right, like great players for this team last night had bad nights. Great players. Consistent players. Last night was just a stinker. It's And it's not going to happen again tonight. I know it. Well, it doesn't, fit, it doesn't fit the narrative of what they've done all season. They generally haven't put bad effort, you know, on the table two nights in a row at any point this season. If anything, they've responded well, and it's sort of added to the 
frustration discord that a lot of people have had with this team, Lou, is that they'll go. go from what they were last night and look like a different team tonight. That's it. Who are the Calgary Flames when they grow up? The 22-23 edition. We still don't know. What do you want to be? Right now, you want to be competitive enough to stay in the hunt. That's what you've shown. Uh, this will be the second time this month that the uh, Flames and the Ducks have met. We'll go back to uh, March 10th in the Scotiabank Saddle Dome, a 3-1 loss. Uh, Michael Backlund got the scoring going for the Flames and the only goal for them in the second period. Uh, Comtois, Leeson, and Grant the rest of the way for Anaheim. Going back to that game, I don't know how much you uh, you want to pull from that or if you think any of it's relevant from the last time these two teams saw each other, but uh, anything that you see that you, if you're the Calgary Flames, you want to avoid what happened last time at the Saddle Dome? Yeah, I want to avoid one thing. Being a different team than the one that you had Anaheim deal with in the last meeting. I don't care about Anaheim. I really don't. And I'm not disrespecting them. And I've said it a lot. This is not about Anaheim. This has never been more about the Calgary Flames. Don't, don't care who their personnel is. Don't care. I just know one thing. The Calgary Flames put a real good game on the table tonight. They're going to win. If they don't, they won't. Lou, uh, another uh, late one out in California. You'll be on uh, Flames World with Pat at 7 o'clock. That's when we'll uh, hear from you next, pal. Thanks for the time, as always. Always a pleasure, my friend. Have a great afternoon. Yeah, you as well. Peter Lombardi is the color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960. The fan joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. He joins us every single day to kick off the program. Brought to you by our good friends at the Gemini Group Home Renovations. The Gemini Group knows your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference, now offering air miles, reward miles. You can visit them at thegeminigroup.ca. We'll get more into the Flames and the Ducks coming up a little bit later. But around the corner, we'll check in with our pal Big Nazar from Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Sportsnet Today rolls on. From the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. It's a Calgary Flames game day tonight. Flames and the Anaheim Ducks. 8 o'clock puck drop with Derek Wills and Pete Labardius. Our Flames coverage gets going at 7. Pat Steinberg and Lou with Flames warm-up to get you set for the Flames and the Ducks. No morning skate today for the Flames. So any lineup news and notes starting goaltenders, uh, that sort of information will have to wait until warm-up tonight. So keep it locked on all of our social channels for the latest on the Flames lineup ahead of the game against the Ducks tonight. But it is a Tuesday, and that means it's our time to uh, go down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. Welcome in our Tuesday regular from our sister station in Vancouver, Sportsnet 650. It is Big Nazar, host of uh, Canucks Post Game. People show and more. Uh, Big good afternoon, pal. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? I, I feel like I come in on on um, 
some very uh, huge losses uh, the, the day after. Because I feel like I was on after the Rangers game, which was the OT game. And I think I was on after the Ottawa game, which is an OT loss. And, mm-hmm. and now last night it was 8-2. And I just, I don't know. I, I'm always worried when I show up on a Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, we get used to it. You know, it's kind of uh, that perpetual feeling of being stuck in a loop and nowhere else to really go. So we, we kind of uh, try to, I don't want to say suppress it, but we're, we're kind of used to it at this point. You know what I mean? 70 games in. Oh, it's been a weird season. Like every time I'm just like, okay, now they're going and just mm. it, it, yep. like a fire stops. Yep. And I just, uh, it's been a weird one. Yeah. Just wait till tonight and they'll, uh, they'll look like a completely different team and you'll be left even more confused, much like we are, Bick. <laughs> well, it's Anaheim. Yeah. So there yeah. you go. Hey, they beat it. They came into Calgary and beat them two weeks ago. So I really have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, and who bad. knows? So. Uh, even more, more surprising than the Calgary Flames situation right now is um, Vancouver Canucks game day. And just like we all thought, the Canucks and the Golden Knights late in the season, both on eight and two runs in their last 10 games, both have you know some wins coming in, Ducks and uh, Kings for uh, the Canucks. The, King, uh, excuse me, the Golden Knights just beat up on the Blue Jackets uh, 7-2 the other day. It's been some good hockey of late for the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, there's this constant uh, claim from from management, the previous management group, of how important it was to play meaningful games in March, and it's become a, a bit of a punchline for Canucks fans. And now here comes this coaching staff, this new coaching staff that's trying to push things forward and trying to say important uh, games down the stretch. And I think from the coaching staff point of view, this is a meaningful game uh, in March because they've been 13-8-2 since Rick Tockett has arrived, and uh, much to the chagrin of fans, uh, look, it should be a good game and it should be a fun one. But much to the chagrin of fans, it, it's shaping up to be like another, you know, chase down the stretch here of of winning meaningless games, and it, it's it's been uh, tense all of a sudden again. One thing that did come out of that win against the Anaheim Ducks the other night uh, was another solid performance from Quinn Hughes. Twenty seven twenty time on ice, just about four and a half minutes on the power play another minute and a half on the uh, penalty kill Bick and two assists on the night, which put him in some pretty rare territory as uh, the first uh, defenseman in Canucks history uh, to hit uh, 60 assists in back-to-back years. He also has the first defenseman in NHL uh, to do that in like 29 years. Um, mm. People not talking about Quinn Hughes as much. I know a lot have gone towards Elias Pedersen, but we've talked about Quinn Hughes a couple times you know, going back and forth with said, Do you think he gets enough credit around the league for what he's been to the Vancouver Canucks the last couple of years? Uh, around the league, probably not. And I will say, like, it didn't start the season as slowly for Quinn Hughes, but he's grown as the season's gone along. I know ESPN had the list of top 10 D-men, and he wasn't in there. And I, I think it was right, and I think there's a fair case to be made. Like, he's probably just among a left-handed D. He's probably been, you know, the seventh or eighth best this season. But... You know, every week that type of prediction or that type of commentary looks a bit silly because he's just getting better and better every week, and the minutes are being thrown upon him, and he's now producing as well as a at a just a remarkable rate. And you know, the the names that of players that have done uh, from a statistical point of view of 60 assists in back-to-back years, it's like we're talking, you know, Coffee, Bork, or Potvin, Leach, Housley, uh, Salming, McKinnis, Carlisle. Right? It's it's a crazy list that he's now among and Adam Fox will join that list. Uh, I suspect by the end of the year, but it's, it's, it's just remarkable. And and the thing is, he doesn't look like he's slowing 
down at all. And I, I don't just mean this year. Like, I, I don't think this is a ceiling year for Quinn Hughes. He's still, you know, 23 years old. He's going to get naturally stronger. Obviously, you got to put the work in the offseason. But he's going to get to be a fully grown man when he's 25, 26. And that's the version that I think we're going to see the best seasons from Quinn Hughes. So 60 is fantastic. Man, I, like, I'm not entirely unconvinced that there's a 70 assist season in his future and probably like an 80 point season from Quinn Hughes still to come uh, in a couple of years. Yeah, and one of the you know few positives you can take from you know management of past times is the contract that Quinn Hughes is on. Even at twenty three, mm. Bick. I mean, hey, at seven point eight five, I think you're more than okay with that for the next four seasons for Quinn Hughes and the Vancouver Canucks. Absolutely right. And there's this thought from this current management group, and we all know it. Um, you know, players have to outperform the contract. It's been a applause line that they have delivered a few times. And so there's, there's, there's going to be a need to players to outperform. And, and, and that still goes for star players, too. It's not just the depth guys that you find for a million or the, you know, the, the, the smart bets you want to make for a guy of three million. It's everyone. And so uh, as he gets better and the defensive side of his game continues to improve, and I think that's where the bulk of the improvement will come. The more points will come when his play defensively improves. It's, it's not bad by any means. It's, you know, it's above average. But I think there's a version of him as he gets stronger where we'll continue to see uh, him start winning more on the defensive end, and then suddenly the offensive will come. And he, he certainly plays like he should be a $9 million style DN. Uh, and I know a few people on Canucks Twitter got excited knowing that uh, Phil Brodick was on the ice for morning skate today, but doesn't sound as though uh, his Canucks debut is imminent as of yet, correct? Uh, yeah, I'd be surprised if it uh, comes in before... April, like that was the, the target I was kind of going for, uh, April 2nd. Now there's a home game right at the end of the month versus Calgary, so maybe it's then. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's his first time practicing with the full team. I'd expect, you know, a week at least of, of him being with the team. I, I don't think the, the organization from an executive level is in any rush to kind of force him in. It was very much a take your time, slow play this as, as much as you can. Obviously, there's the benefit of, how it pertains to the to the draft lottery and all that sort of stuff. So there's no demand to force him back, but get him right and see what kind of spot he's uh, ready to go. But certainly an encouraging sign uh, for him to skate uh, today with the players. Wanted to ask you. Uh, we've talked about this player before, but we you know kind of prefaced it by saying, "Hey, it's a little early to to assess anything." What have the early returns been for uh, Anthony Bavillier in Canucks colors? I know the last couple of games they've had him skating with Kuzmenko and Pedersen, that seems like an ideal spot uh, for him to produce some offense. What does it look like so far since that trade and him coming from the uh, New York Islanders pick? Yeah, it's been really surprising, right? Because I, I think this is the type of player a lot of people see natural offensive skill, especially when he was in the island, but he never clipped the 40-point mark. Now there's some shortened seasons in there, obviously, but he never gotten past that. And he arrives in Vancouver, and it's like, all right, like what are we going to see? Is it going to be another player who's, you know, one of these guys who's just middle six, but really a third liner. And he stepped into this role, brought some speed next to Elias Pettersson that Ilya Mikheyev was you know, featuring there sometimes, and he brought a lot of speed. But you just see that natural offensive ability starting to come out for Pavillier, and he's got 16 points now in 20 games, which is really stunning um, because he's featured in the power play in that role Horvat uh, departed in. 
And, you know, Horvat, since going to the, the Islanders, I think it's nine points in 19 games. So he's filled in offensively uh, remarkably well uh, for Horvat's departure. And, you know, to, to me, it's just the stylistic fit, again, with Elias Pettersson. They need more speed on that line. And you start building prototypes and archetypes of what the wingers next to Pettersson are always going to look like. You know, Mikheyev goes out, Bovillier goes in, and it just puts pressure on other guys in the roster now say, hey, do I fit that role? Do I need to get faster? Like Besser and Garland, the two guys primarily, one of them is always relegated to third-line duty, and it's Karna Garland right now. But you can tell just the speed difference that Bovillier brings pairs so well with Elias Pettersson, and he's getting to the right areas of the ice. And, you know, certainly seven goals in 20 games is just an unreal return. And it's something Patrick Alvin talked about, too, that I always felt that there was more offense in him. And I think it's slightly uh, too, too, maybe Beauvillier putting up seven points versus the Penguins in a playoff series uh, a couple of years ago. And so Alvin gets a direct look at it. But he's, he's living up to the, the ideal version of what we thought Anthony Beauvillier could be. Uh, it, it's a good short-term return right now for the Vancouver Canucks. What about the other uh, player acquired from a New York team? Vitaly Kratsov has been in nine games so far with the Canucks. I know the points haven't exactly followed, but what have you made of him as a Vancouver Canuck? Yeah, it, it started nice. And, you know, I, I think there's going to be a, an awareness of the idea of how long this might take with Kratsov because, you know, Rick Tockett is not just going to do preferential treatment of just, hey, you have some offensive skill, so let's go throw you with offensive players. You're going to have to earn your way, and you have to do all these non-negotiables as Tockett has talked about uh, of you know, playing hard against the wall, getting pucks out, making smart decisions with the puck. And it started really well. There was the Minnesota game where I thought, you know, that was you know, a, a coach you would look at thing, getting through to a player and a player's subscribing to all the, the, the ideals and the tenets. And he blocked a couple of shots, got the puck out of the zone and created offensive opportunities with him and put Colson. And they looked like uh, they were getting along great. And you can just see, just them on the bench, how much more mentally engaged they are just because they have someone next to them to talk to. And that progress was going to be interesting to watch, but it, it started to slip. He was healthy, scratched the game. And it look, it's, it's tough to, to constantly win that way. And it, it's not so much a punishment for Mick Tockett because he's focused very much on the summer is going to be important for some players. And he's repeated that a lot, not necessarily just about craft stuff, but, but Coles and, 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 and other players on the roster that they're, they're they're really excited to see what sort of role that they can have in the summer and in the building of some of these players, crafts off amongst them. And it, it's a nice audition for him right now, but the summer feels like it's going to be the key element for crafts because He's willing to put the work in and he comes back to training camp in day one and looks like a player who's going to be dedicated to all the things and all the new tenants that are important to what the next version of Canucks hockey looks like. Uh, Canucks uh, making a, a late addition with a young player out of uh, the NCAA ranks. Aiden McDonough going to join the group. He's a center, 23 years old. Bick, what's sort of the scouting report been from the organization about McDonough and maybe expectations for him the rest of this season after he signs his ELC here? Yeah, this season, I, I'm kind of on the mind that if he plays three games, I'll be rather surprised. Mm. Um, you know, I, I'm just not sure where you get him in and, I think they just want to get him situated in, in the um, pro leagues and, and just so he gets an idea of what it looks like uh, as far as how it means to be a pro. And they're, they're going to play on, right? He, this is already a win for Aiden McDonough because he gets the birdie year of his uh, ELC. Yes. And so if he gets a handful of games, that's all well and good. I'm kind of looking at it as, as three points or three games. 
And if he manages to get points, hey, that's fantastic. But, you know, the overall scouting report is someone that needs to work on his skating, uh, but a big body with a nice shot. He can play both center and the wing. And I, I don't know if they're going to throw him in the, the, the deep end right away by playing him center. But I could see that Seattle, Chicago, Calgary uh, homestand kind of being where he gets his feet wet. And then, you know, Anaheim and Arizona later on. But I, I think they're probably going to slow play this. I, I think three games is probably the right amount. And he gets the reward of burning a year. And uh, the team tries to just see what they have in the summer as well. Uh, it sounds as though while we were talking, Rick Tockett uh, handling his uh, media duties in Vancouver ahead of tonight's game, saying that Phil Bronick is day-to-day and expected to make his debut as early as Thursday. Uh, so that's an interesting point there. I guess, I don't know if I've asked you or not, does this seem like a natural fit with Quinn Hughes? Is that where we're expecting to see Ronick start things out, or is that still sort of to be determined? That's what I'd like to see, just for the end of this year, right? Like, this yeah. is an audition, just try it, uh, see what it looks like. Uh, that's what I'd like to see next year. I, I think pending what additions they make, uh, it probably makes the most sense for have them to be on separate lines or separate uh, pairings and, and try to carry those. But if they make reasonable additions where we're looking at guys that can play uh, and carry the roles themselves and carry a pairing themselves, uh, I, I'd like to see Hronik and Hughes together because I think it's, it's kind of the modern uh, pairing now. You know, we've obviously looked at Makar and Taze. I don't know so necessarily think that this matches that, but the one I think about a lot is when Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis were paired together. And you know, Roman Yossi and Quinn Hughes stylistically, I think, are, are much closer. Yossi's probably you know better shot, scores more goals, but like the way they want to attack the attacking the offensive zone to me is very similar where it's more lateral and passing rather than the car who can be far more direct and powerful. And then Ellis and Ronick to me are very similar players, you know, Hornick a little bit bigger, but big shots and, and not the traditional stay at home D man, but knows how to play the role can move the puck themselves can skate with the puck themselves. That to me is the pairing. I think I, I look at and say, that's what they're trying to accomplish if they play together uh, next year. Uh, Big Nazar, Sportsnet 650, joining us for our regular Tuesday chat. Uh, of course, all things Vancouver Canucks and just some general topics around the sport world. Um, curious if this hit your radar or not. I'm a bit of a Jersey nerd. I don't know where you stand on this. We've never really uh, hashed it out or not, but a bunch of people like myself, very interested today that the NHL announced that their next uh, Jersey partner will be Fanatics and it won't be uh, someone in the likes of Nike, Under Armour, or Adidas. Does that hit the radar for you as a hockey fan, Bick, at all, or could you care less? Uh, generally speaking, I'm more focused on the on-ice product, but, <laughs> you know, look, there is a style component to all these, and I, I judge all of these based on, like, what it looks like on the ice, right? And if if there's a, a New Jersey or anything like that, um, we, like, we get so caught up in what it looks like in pictures by models and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Some jerseys I look at, and, like, look, the reverse retro ones that came out, the, the Vancouver ones were like pan when they first came out. It's like, oh, it looks like a Sprite bottle. And then you see it on the ice, and you're like, eh, honestly, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. So, uh, you know, the, the Jersey stuff doesn't usually register for me, but it's more about, A, what does it look like on the ice, but also what does it mean for, like, revenues for the league, right? I, I know that's a nerdy thing to focus on, but, mm-hmm. like, h- how does that matter in relation to, like, how the league is, is operating as a business? Because, you know, it's it's been a tough couple of years, obviously, in the post-pandemic world, but this league needs to keep finding ways to uh, to engineer revenues. 
uh, on the NFL side of things, hasn't been much to dive into as far as signings go. You know, most of the big names have have already signed. We're kind of just waiting for the draft and see where guys fall the last little while. I'm curious where your take is on guys going to new teams and immediately pumping their tires to ridiculous levels. And I say that because uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson went and signed with the Detroit Lions and reportedly turned down a multi-year deal with the Eagles, circled around a free agency, didn't find anything long-term, and wound up taking a one-year deal with the Detroit Lions. He then yesterday said uh, to the Detroit media that he thinks this team in Detroit is, quote, a little bit better than the team that he played with in Philly last year. Are you buying or selling that the Detroit Lions that C.J. Gardner-Johnson has been with for 48 hours uh, are better than the Eagles were last year who lost in the Super Bowl to the Chiefs? If I'm getting uh, millions of dollars, I'll, I'll say anything to a new <laughs> franchise, <laughs> right? Fair. Again, just just lay out exactly what you said. He wanted a multi-year deal, didn't get it, which, hey, look, that happens for EMC is is ruthless and, and cutthroat. Like John Klingberg, ask him if he'd like a do-over of what happened in Very Dallas. fair, yep. And, and so you go there and you think, hey, like, I'll say anything to get a multi-year deal, right? Like, honestly, if he plays seven good games, Detroit's probably like, all right, we got another guy who's, kind of a culture leader like Jamal Williams was, but now it's on the defensive side because that's very much Chauncey Gardner-Johnson's profile. And, yeah, just go endear yourself to a new team and maybe, like, that's the way you, you get your prove-it deal internally and say, like, hey, I'm, I'm ready to carry the flag. And, yeah, I just came from Philly. This is exactly like Philly, even though Detroit has, like, historical losing and been on the wrong side of so many results time and time again. Uh, I, I get it, but... Like, come on, we can see through the veil, Chomsky. Well, that's that's what just. Like, I remember last year I had the same conversation with uh, a number of people because Tyreek Hill was in Miami after doing casual workouts right. with the Dolphins, and he was spouting off the two is deep. accurate quarterback, yeah, yeah. whatever. Right? How can like st- you have to stop these things? You have to like we cannot go on with teams and new guys going to teams and making these just outlandish statements. Do I like the Detroit Lions a lot? Yes, absolutely I do. I think they could be a really fun team in the NFC. But, Chauncey, first of all, I don't even know that you know half of your teammates' names in Detroit yet. (laughs) Don't tell me that they're better, even a little bit, than the team that just went to a Super Bowl last year and won, like, 14 games and lost two all season. I just, I've never understood that. I get what your point, you know, you want to be a good teammate and you want to, you know, say the right things, but I just I don't understand guys going out there and making these sort of outlandish comments like nobody's going to notice that you just said the Lions are better than the Eagles were. What's the Will Ferrell line? It's like it's provocative. It gets the people going, right? So there it is. <laughs> yeah, you want your Twitter mentions to go up. I guess that's one way to do it. <laughs> For sure, I, I like the Lions though. But you're right. It's 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 just it's a bit silly to to launch into this already, and it, it just. It's like, man, you guys are putting weird expectations on yourselves. Because now the sta- like, that's the standard. Like, get 11 wins. Yeah, well, exactly, right? It's like, okay, you've, you've spent four days with the team, and now all of a sudden you're talking like, okay, you're better than the team that was 14-2 and last year? That's, that's a mighty big leap, especially for a Detroit team that in my lifetime and probably yours, Bick, has never been anywhere near competitive, let alone dominating the NFC. No, the Lions are traditionally like they're they're in the group of like worst franchises 
in North American history. You know, we were doing this thing the other day on the show of because because you know I'm sure you guys do it on your show like a a mailbag type question and, yep. and a, a lonely a lonely Canucks fan texted into the show saying, "Are the Canucks like one of the worst franchises in North American sports?" And we just kind of laughed. And we you know in our own minds we're like, "No, no." And then I, I looked up like the the winning percentage of all the teams in North America since the Canucks were invented. Yeah. And they have like a bottom six winning percentage. Wonderful. Across all sports, oh, right? Like not just yeah. the NHL, across yeah. all sports, there's six. And sure enough, it's like the Detroit Lions, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the uh, Cleveland Browns all in that mix, the Miami Marlins. And you're just looking like, oh, boy, like <laughs> the Canucks are kind of in that mix with the Detroit Lions. Yeah, you, you always think the grass is so much greener because you have that one year, or that one. And hey, in Calgary, it's, it's been the same thing. We have, you know, we still talk about oh three oh four like it was yesterday here. And then you sit there and go, man, Tampa Bay does this every year. I know. Like, what is that like? I don't know. I can't personally wrap my head around what covering two to three rounds of playoff hockey consistently for five years would be like, Beck. It's, it, it doesn't compute in my head. It'd be nice, though, right? I mean, like, there's a reality one day. Yeah. I, I tried doing this thing at the end of the show last night where it's like, how do you keep setting yourself up for the next season? And I just said, like, hey, fall down 53 times, get up 54, right? That's the only way you can do it, just to, like, look at the core and be like, I don't know. Like, I think Quinn Hughes and Elias Pedersen and JT Miller and Thatcher Demko are pretty good. I don't know how else I'm supposed to look at that and say, don't go for it again. Yeah. Uh, it's an interesting combo. Fun uh, fun stuff there, Bick. Appreciate the time, as always, on a Tuesday, pal. We'll chat with you again next week, hey? Cheers, man. Take care. Bick Nazar, Sportsnet 650, host the Canucks post game, the People Show, uh, your regular Tuesday guest here on Sportsnet today, talking all things Canucks and uh, just some general sports topics with Bick as well. Uh, Canucks on the docket tonight against the Vegas Golden Knights in Vancouver. Um, don't look now, like we were talking about with Bick there. Uh, Canucks not doing themselves any favors when it comes to the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. They are eight and two in their last ten, coming in on a two-game winning streak. Uh, that's an eight o'clock puck drop tonight, same as the Flames and the Ducks. Busy night across the NHL. Of course, the games you're watching closely. If you're a Flames fan on the out-of-town scoreboard, the Nashville Predators are in Buffalo to take on the Sabers at five o'clock, and the Winnipeg Jets hosting the Arizona Coyotes. At six, those are the two big games for the Calgary Flames. So, just as we get to game time tonight, we should have a pretty good feel. Nashville, Buffalo will definitely be in the books. Uh, Arizona, Winnipeg will be probably into the third period by the time we get going tonight. So, Flames fans will have a good opportunity to see. Uh, fingers crossed if both of those teams can find a way to lose again tonight, uh, and the Flames are able to pick up a two points. Then last night doesn't feel quite as doom and gloom for the Calgary Flames, but. Uh, that's a big if. Uh, Buffalo's been a little bit wonky of late, and we know uh, the Arizona Coyotes are not a good team this year. So we'll wait and see what that brings. Some other games to watch for tonight. Leafs and Islanders go at 5.30. You have the Panthers and the Flyers, Habs and Lightning. Montreal getting slightly healthier as this season uh, wears on. Kirby Dock and Brendan Gallagher expected back in the lineup for Montreal tonight. And the Ottawa Senators taking on the Boston Bruins. That one, a 5 o'clock puck drop. As well, we'll dive back into the Calgary Flames and that listless loss last night to the LA Kings. What do they need to do tonight against the Anaheim Ducks? Can we expect any changes? Uh, what are your thoughts on all this as well? We'll drive into the text line around the corner. 
here on Sportsnet Today, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.